0: Welcome to episode 81 of the Glens for Punishment podcast or GFP, a Toronto Maple Leafs and NHL podcast hosted by Michael Lapore and Anthony Bruno. He's Lapore. I'm Bruno. Thank you so much for listening and watching us on YouTube as well. I know we've been gone for a couple of weeks, but since we've been gone, the Leafs have gone 4-1-2 and two over their last seven games. They are starting to look like the team we all thought they would be before the start of the season. So me and Lepore have a lot of things to go over. The Devils game last night, snapping their 13-game winning streak. The Leafs are dealing with a ton of injuries on the blue line. We're going to talk about the other Canadian teams around the NHL, and we are going to give our take on who the best team in Canada is right now. So we have a lot to get to, and I promise you want to stay tuned until the very end. But before we get into all that, it is time to welcome in my partner in crime, Mr. Michael Lepore. How you doing, man?
1: Anthony Bruno, I'm doing very well. Just got back from a little trip to the UK. If anyone's wondering, I was the crazy asshole in the lobby watching the Leafs games in the middle of the night, screaming. So you know, hung out with the bar staff a little bit, and they got to know me pretty well. Love it. Episode 81 of the Gluttons for Punishment podcast. Who else? Who else? Phil, the thrill Kessel, number 81 for the Toronto Maple Leafs, six seasons with the Buds, four of which he hit the 30 goal mark. It's kind of funny. We always kind of called him a 40 goal scorer, but he never got there. I think we were just going based on potential because he could have. Phil Kessel, the man, it's not too often a guy kind of leaves a bad taste in your mouth when he leaves, but then as time goes on, you start to appreciate what he did and I think that's the way Leafs fans kind of feel for Phil Kessel. Like after the way he was traded to us and the expectations were so high, people were always just kind of grumpy about him. But now years later, we can kind of look back, see what else he's done in his career. And we can be pretty content with what he contributed to the Leafs uh, while he was in Toronto.
0: And Kessel has to be one of the top three to five most beloved guys in the
1: NHL. Oh, yeah, like oh, just spin they love him.
0: the way that he is, you know, the whole hot dog thing and how he doesn't work out, but he's still stronger and faster than everybody. He wins a couple Stanley Cups, and then he gets to a thousand games in a row. Like, I mean, just everything about Phil Kessel, it's hard to find a fan around hockey that doesn't like that guy,
1: yeah, like kind of back to my point, like when he was with the Leafs, I got a Phil Kessel, Jersey, and when he left, I mean, it wasn't like a, oh, what the fuck did I do? But it was kind of like, when am I going to like rock this ever again? But now, I mean, I could go to a game and rock a Kessel oh, jersey. 100%. And, and there's no, there's no problems.
0: Oh, I know multiple people who have Phil Kessel jerseys. Like you can rock that thing proudly, man.
1: Phil the thrill. Shout out to you. Yeah, wherever you are. Fucking shitty, shitty time though, man. Like in, in that era of Leafs, it's like you can judge an era based on how many players there are who jersey you'd get. That was a tough one for Leafs fans. It was like Kessel, Faneuf. And Bozak. I'm, sure, I'm sure people got like loopholes, have loopholes in their closet. Just, uh, uh yeah. not good. C-
0: sort of a tough hair. JVR, Jake Gardner. JVR
1: like... was like an okay one, kind of like a safe one. Yeah, but Yeah,
0: not a lot of great options.
1: No. <laughs> no. All
0: right, Lapore. Before we get into the hockey talk on this podcast, some big news coming out today. Yeah. Sadly, Leafs legend, Hockey Hall of Famer Borea Salming, has passed away at the age of 71, losing his battle with ALS. And it's just so sad, Lapore, because a couple of weeks ago, we saw him at the Hall of Fame game in Toronto. And it was just such an emotional experience for I'm sure the people who were in the building, all yeah. of us watching on TV. Like it was just unbelievable to see him. And obviously he wasn't in great shape, but it was so great to see him. And it's crazy to think now that two weeks after that, He's gone. So just such a sad day. One of the greatest defensemen, probably the greatest defenseman in Leafs history.
1: Yeah, uh, Boria is very well respected in Toronto and around the league for that matter. And uh, as I said before on the pod, my wife's uh, family's in Sweden. Like he's an absolute legend in Sweden, like absolute friggin legend there. So there's gonna be a lot of grieving for the next couple of days. And uh, I'm looking forward to hearing some good stories about him. Uh, for what he contributed on the ice and things he did off the ice. And I also look forward to see uh, what the Leafs are going to do to honor him. I'm sure there'll be a ceremony. I'm sure they'll rock a patch for a game as they did with Johnny Bauer and George Armstrong recently. So RIP Boris Salming, man, Leafs legend.
0: Yeah, you said it, man. The best thing that comes out of this is all the stories you hear just celebrating his life. And like you said, I'm sure the Leafs are going to do some really great things to honor him. So you know, looking forward to that and hearing more stories that I didn't know, honestly, about border yeah. solving. So, RIP to the best defenseman in Leafs history. Yeah. All right, Laporte, let's get into the hockey talk. And let's start things off with the game that we just saw last night in New Jersey. Fun. The wagon New Jersey Devils came into the game riding a 13-game winning streak.
1: Mm-hmm. They have
0: been playing so well. And here are the Leafs without their top three highest paid defensemen, Elias Samsonov is still out with an injury. They've been dealing with all kinds of injuries. Mm-hmm. And they pull out a 2-1 victory. Fuck there yeah. was three Devils goals that were called back. <laughs> Two on goalie interference, one for a kick. Devils fans were throwing shit on the ice. They were throwing beer, drinks, other crap. It was yeah. just a wild night in New Jersey. Matt Murray stands on his head. Let's go. He looked fantastic since returning from injury, but what a game Lapore, to snap that 13 game winning streak.
1: Yeah. There's certain games I'll watch on TV away games for the Leafs. And I'll make the point of how fun it would have been to be at that game. Imagine being with your boys rocking the Leafs jerseys in New Jersey for that game would have been so fun, but I will say, man, it's not too often where we can sit back and this is unfortunate and be truly proud of the Toronto Maple Leafs. We've been cursed with our fandom of this team. We've been through a lot. So when you have a game like last night, it makes you feel good, man. That team had no business winning. As you mentioned, all the injuries, the devils just destroying everyone. Recently we're in New Jersey. Everything was pointing to a Leafs loss, but it's funny because because of it, I was feeling like the Leafs were going to win. Just when everyone's like, ah, you know, they're going to lose. I'm sure all the money was going the way of New Jersey in the betting world. Just, yeah, I think the Leafs are going to pull it out. And there were a few things in that game, too, that kind of like were opposite of hockey gods. But how about you? Like, I turned to my wife twice when the Leafs were up two to one. Marner fed Tavares, and he got absolutely robbed with the toe of Anicek. And then later on, Jordano hitting the post. So I turned to my wife after he made that save. I'm like, well, now they're going to tie it, right? Like, after all this, now they're going to tie it. And then Giordano hitting the post on the empty netter. Turner again, like, oh, well, now they're really going to tie it. Yeah, that's like, when it felt like the Leafs are going to leaf again, and they're going to find a way to lose this in overtime. 100%. But they battled, man. And, like, there are certain games we say all the time on this show where, you know, we're stats guys. We're, we like underlying numbers. We like looking into it. And the Leafs got absolutely destroyed by way of the underlying numbers. But at the same time, like this is a game where it's the eye test. You can really use the eye test and attribute the eye test because, yeah, you know, we're missing a lot of bodies. We're in this situation. And just from watching, they battled hard, man. Like that team battled hard. A lot of guys were in, a, were in uncomfortable situations and they did very, very well. And Murray, like, w- w- what are we going to say? He was excellent. Amazing, you played fantastic and Bud, Bud, Geo, Mark Giordano. What a beast, man! What a beast. He played an amazing game. And people talk about emotion and athletes and all that. Did you see how fucking happy he was when that buzzer went and he celebrated with his teammates? It was awesome. What a win! They're, but they're, I want to say like their best win of the season so far because it's right up there. It's up there in terms of significance, but I mean, in terms of like actually how well they played. But in terms of showing me something, that's up there. Like, way to go, boys. Like, way to pull out the W.
0: Yeah, especially being in that hostile environment after the fans were throwing all that shit on the ice. Yeah. And you knew that, I mean, just watching the game, like, the Leafs were getting caved in. So you knew the Devils were going to keep pressing hard in that third period. Laporte, the Devils outshot the Leafs 30-10 to 10 over the final two periods.
1: Yeah, well, we were out shooting. It was in the first. We were, we were yes. out shooting them. Even the money puck was, like, heavy in our favor, like, after the first. Yeah, the
0: Leafs controlled the first period, but the Devils, the last two periods, were just caving them in for the most part, especially in the third period. So you knew they were going to make that push. And yeah. for Matt Murray to stand in there and make some of the big saves that he did the man. for our decor to stand in there with all the injuries and to battle, like you said, Mark Giordano, this guy's making 800,000 a year. Okay. And he's out here playing like 22 to 25 minutes a game now with all these injuries. Mm. And I I said it at last year's trade deadline that I thought that he was going to be the most impactful addition. And it wasn't me as a Homer. It it was just me thinking about the Leafs blue line and the depth that he was going to provide and all the situations that he could play in. And now you're seeing it, man, with how well he's playing. So you said it, man. Shout out to Mark Giordano. That guy's been
1: really good. And to add to it, too, you have a guy playing his first NHL game in Mac Hollowell, who I desperately wanted to give the shout out to because he's rocking number 81. But nah, I couldn't. Have Not grow. yet. We got to wait a little bit for yet. that. We'll give it to him at episode 181. There you go. Yeah, We'll get well, there,
0: poor. It might take us a couple of years, but we'll get there.
1: <laughs> People are high on him, eh? Like people are pretty think he can be a regular NHL or I mean, I, I don't like to get too excited because, you know, typically as a Leafs fan, you get slapped in the face with that stuff. But I've read a lot of stuff about people thinking he can he can be an NHL guy.
0: Yeah. And I thought he was solid yesterday. It's, just, it's a tough game to come into against a team that's been dominating everyone at five on five for that to be your first NHL game yeah. as a defenseman on the road. That's a tough spot. It's time for a quick break for a word about Manscaped. This holiday season, we'll be giving thanks to our friends at Manscaped because we're all gonna be looking like dessert with the help of the Performance Package 4.0. The leaders in below the waist grooming have blessed you with the ultimate hygiene bundle. Tell your in-laws about your new cutting edge ball trimmer and gift yourself or the man in your life, the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join the 6 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with 20% off and free shipping using the promo code GFP20 at manscaped.com. Lepore, these products never disappoint.
1: Unlike our favorite hockey team, Anthony Bruno, Manscaped products never, ever disappoint, whether it's the lawnmower 4.0, the body wash, the underwear, even the ChapStick. I tried the ChapStick 30 for the first time and it was A+. It wasn't all greasy and gross. It went on smooth, went on clean. When it comes to men's products, Manscaped is at the top of the game. So like Bruno said, everybody go to Manscaped.com, type in GFP20 for 20% off and free shipping.
0: Lapore Manscaped never misses with their products. Uh Whether it's the lip balm, whether it's the Lawn Mower 4.0, never forget about this bad boy, the body wash and shampoo, the boxers, the weed whacker for your nose and ear hair, This company is honestly just outstanding.
1: So very good underlying numbers at Manscaped. (laughs)
0: Absolutely. So once again, get 20% off and free shipping using the promo code GFP20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping using our promo code GFP20 at manscaped.com. The holidays are almost here and there is plenty of t-shirt cheer thanks to true classic tees. Fellas, we have the perfect gift for your wish list, True Classic tees are a gift for you and a great present for any guy in your life. True Classic is on a mission to maximize men's confidence by making them look good. Trust me when I say this is a gift the ladies will appreciate too. True Classic has already helped over two million men look great in their tees, and now you can save big while you do so. Get twenty five percent off True Classic using our promo code GFP, or head down to the description of this video and use our exclusive link trueclassictees.com forward slash GFP and the discount doesn't stop there. You'll save even more during their site-wide sale. Lapore, I love these t-shirts.
1: Bruno, I am one of those people who it doesn't matter how many push-ups I do, how much I do on the bench press, I don't gain any size. We're not all fortunate like Mr. Anthony Bruno to be born an absolute Adonis. So some of us need help, but since trying on these true classic tees i fear no more because i look great i'm not gonna go as far as i look jacked because now we're going overboard because i'm really skinny but i gotta say it does help a little a little bit so gentlemen take all the help you can get go to trueclassictees.com grab a few of these things even if you want to buy a small amount of them just to try them out you will not be disappointed they will be your new go-to t-shirt
0: these t-shirts are the best they fit so well like nice and snug in the upper body, on the arms and the shoulders. But then as you kind of go down, it's it's not tight around your midsection. So it doesn't matter which body type you have. All right. Whether it's a dad bod, whether you have a more athletic physique, whether you're more on the skinny side, you can find a T-shirt here that is going to work for you. And that's why I love this company. So get 25% off at TrueClassicTees.com forward slash GFP. Free shipping is included on purchases over $100. That's 25% off at trueclassictees.com using the promo code GFP. Fellas, are you looking for a new watch that you don't have to spend an arm and a leg on? Well, say hello to our friends at Vincero. If you aren't familiar with Vincero yet, they make exceptionally crafted and stylish watches at affordable prices. Other premium handcrafted watches don't fit the everyday person's budget. You can finally own a high quality and lasting timepiece without going broke. So, if you're looking for the perfect holiday gift to help elevate your style or someone you love, get 20% off and free shipping with our promo code GFP or use the exclusive link in the description of this video, VinceroCollective.com forward slash GFP. Lapore, these watches are so sick.
1: Bruno, like, look at this watch. Guys, like, look at this watch. You can wear this with your jeans and a t-shirt. You can wear this watch with your tuxedo. And that's what I love about the Vincero products. You go through them, you can dress them up, you can dress them down. They're versatile. And as Bruno said, they don't break the bank. So if you want something that's high quality for not a high end price, hit up Vincero everyone.
0: These watches are just so nice. The quality is off the charts. The look is amazing. Clean, this is man. the altitude. Lapore's is rocking the Kairos. Just phenomenal watches. Absolutely love these from Vincero. So don't wait or it's going to be too late. Get 20% off and free shipping with our exclusive link. VinceroCollective.com forward slash GFP. Just go to the website and use the promo code GFP for 20% off and free shipping. I promise you, you won't be disappointed. If you like to bet on sports, you absolutely need Betstamp, the best app to help you become a more profitable sports better. So go download Betstamp immediately and use our referral code GFP. The main reason you need it is for line shopping. Betstamp allows you to line shop for the most valuable odds on each wager and therefore maximize your potential profit as a better. So, if you're betting on the Toronto Maple Leafs, you can't just go to one sports book. You got to look across the board to see who's offering you the most value, whether that's on the money line or the puck line. And also, the importance of having multiple sports books, because if you have multiple sports books, you're able to access the best prices. And BetStamp, as I alluded to, streamlines this process for users. Lapore, BetStamp is such a good tool for sports bettors.
1: Guys, as Bruno and I have said on the pod, there's been a lot of unpredictability in the National Hockey League this year. Good teams are losing, bad teams are winning, so it's hard. It is hard to bet. It is hard to be a successful better. So why not take advantage of the help you can, line shop with Betstamp.
0: And one other thing that Betstamp does that's fantastic is that... It allows you to connect with all the major sports books, right. and it allows you to link your account so your wagers from all those sports books automatically sync right into the app. So, so download the app and use our referral code GFP. I will have it linked down in the description. Betstamp is the way to go if you're a sports better and you actually want to make some money betting on sports. Well, <laughs> poor one thing I want to mention quickly sure. is just how good the Leafs have been defensively. Because there's always been a narrative around this team that, you know, Justin Hall sucks and the defense sucks and we need better goalies. It's been the complete opposite this season. The Leafs have been one of the best defensive teams in the NHL. Yep. They are not scoring right now like they usually do. I've said this on multiple podcasts. You look throughout the Matthews era, every year of the Matthews and Marner era, the Leafs have been top six in the NHL in goals per game. Right now, They sit 22nd in the league in goals per game. They sit 26th in the league in five-on-five shooting percentage. Pucks are not (laughs) going in for this team right now. On the flip side, the Leafs are 7th in goals against per game. They are 6th in shots against per game. And then, if you want to even look at Five-on-five save percentage. Remember last year, Laporte? how bad the Leafs' goaltending was with Jack Campbell and Shalgren and Marazic? Right now, the Leafs, fifth in the league in five-on-five save percentage at 9.30. Let's go. So when this offense picks it up, which I think they will at some point, it's not like the offense has been terrible, but when they pick it up, man, like this team could be an absolute juggernaut,
1: honestly. Yeah. Dude, but so, I know before last night's game they were seventh in the league in goals against average. Huge, man, uh, unreal. And it's funny because again, you talk about narratives. I know people can't escape them, even on Twitter. Still, all oh, their defense is shit. They got ads, so and so. They should make a trade for Chikrin. It's like based on the numbers, the <laughs> the D the D's okay. We can't score, right? So I don't like all. will I ask you, like, what would you put the over under on as as regard to? The least speaking a deal for a defenseman before the deadline. Like an actual, like not a Labushkin, like an actual guy guy.
0: Honestly, I don't think they will. No
1: no insult to Labushkin.
0: (laughs) Because when this team gets back to full health, now listen, assuming that Muzzin, let's just assume Muzzin's not gonna play again this year. Yeah. Okay, but once you get Riley and Brody back, and you have Riley, Brody, Sandine, Lilligren, Jordano, Hall. I don't think they're going to go out and get a defenseman. I think the priority for the Leafs is going to be getting a big time forward. So, so you they say can take put in that the top
1: six. So take that muzzin money and put it, put it up
0: front. 100%, man. Because based on all the issues right now, again, if you're actually watching this team and you're looking at the numbers on a day to day basis, you know that their problem right now is putting the puck in the net. The power play has been fine, but it's been the five on five stuff, and they're just not scoring at the same clip as we have seen in the recent past. So I think if they can add, whether that's a Patrick Kane, whether it's a guy like Alex Debrinkit, uh, this is all just speculation. Yeah. I don't have this from any you know credible source or anything, but if they can go out and get a guy like that, because right now, LaPorte, like Sheldon Keith, on a night-to-night basis doesn't know who the hell to put in this top six at times yeah. outside of the core four. You know, I-, I just saw a lineup on Twitter that had Cali Yarncrook in the Leafs' top six at practice.
1: He's going to play. He's, he's almost certainly going to play at some
0: point. Like, what's going on here at this point? Like, I'm seeing on Twitter from David Alter, the second line, croak Tavares, and Marner. You know, like, the Leafs need to bolster this top six, I think.
1: Yeah, I, uh, you know, I'll, I'll combat it with this, though. I'll say, okay, so you don't think a deal is going to be made. So you have Riley, Brody, Lilligren, Sandine, Hall, Giordano. Like, that's the six, however you want to put them together, okay? Is that good enough to make a run?
0: Honestly, based on what I have watched so far, and specifically over the last, like, 10 games, I think it's going to be fine. I really do. Especially if they're going to get the goaltending that they're getting from Murray and Samsonov. Maybe, okay, how about this, Lapore? Maybe they make another type of Labushkin deal. Like, I know they just picked up Connor Timmons. From the Arizona Coyotes. That's not really moving the needle a lot. Like Maybe they pick up another depth guy like that. But I don't think they're going to go after. Like a top pairing defenseman at the deadline.
1: Yeah. You know, who would be nice actually. And like people who live around me are going to freak out. Zub from the Senators. Yeah Artem Zub. Like he's a good like steady. Almost like a Brody does his job. You don't notice him yeah. exactly what to does what Toronto things,
0: would... hits guys, block shots. Yeah, it doesn't so make it doesn't
1: make that much money, and he's going to, but he's a right handed defenseman who will hit free agency.
0: That's fair. I, I can see them making a deal like that, but honestly, I, I think Dubis is going to try to make a big splash here, especially with this money on LTIR. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't know who that forward's going to be. Maybe it's not someone as high profile as Patrick Kane, guy who's been in the trade rumors for the last like five six months it seems but there's gonna be somebody out there I think the Leafs are gonna go after to fit in this top six
1: I think both I I think Dubas knows the team's got to be better like legit the on both ends they they have to be better so I'm expecting moves
0: yeah but then again who knows maybe the Leafs go like the next 20 games they go on a crazy tear and they start scoring at the clip that they usually score at
1: yeah the other thing I've heard the other thing I've heard is uh if like nice at season's end if he gets in the lineup, he's like, he's your trade deadline guy. He comes in and if he's impactful, not I mean, yeah. you know, your expectations can't be that high, but the guy comes in. If, if he's a plug in the lineup, that's something, right? That's a
0: possibility as well. Yeah. Laporte, we got to talk about the Leafs struggles in overtime. Do we oh. <laughs> Because this is getting ridiculous. So, yeah, I'd say so. If you remember, Leafs Nation was on a high back at the end of October. October 20th was the exact date. They faced the Dallas Stars. It went to overtime, and Nick Robertson ripped home the OT winner. A two-goal night for Nick Robertson. Looked like he was going to be a fixture in the top six, scoring 25 goals this season, playing with Marner and Tavares. Since then, Lepore, the Leafs have lost five straight overtime games. They are 1-5 and in overtime this season. Like, what the hell is going on with that?
1: Yeah. I think a lot of it, and this is this is a cop out, but a lot of it's bad luck because you you I always tell people like people associate overtime three on three and the shootout with, oh, the teams that have talent should win more than they lose. And you know, that's not like a hot take or it, it's not like out of the realm of possibilities on how things will break down. But if you look at the end of the season, at the list of like, you know, the best teams in overtime, the best teams in the shootout, it's random. Like you'll see the 18th place team in the league be like seven and one in overtime or some random 500 team being like 10 and two in the shootout. And then you've really skilled teams all the way at the bottom. I think the thing with the overtime and especially uh, with regards to the Leafs is well, okay, they're losing these games and a lot of it's luck. But then, because you're losing them now, your confidence is down, and you're hesitating. Like that overtime against the Islanders was pathetic. Like that was yeah, absolutely what pathetic.
0: Nylander was doing in overtime. Like, I couldn't. Oh my, my god,
1: uh, terrible! And like like Marner, the giveaway. Like Tavares gives the puck away on the winner. But one thing, like the point I was making about overtime is, again, back to the whole the skill team should win them. None of the goals, or none, n- not very many of overtime winners come on possession. I've always made an argument and people comment down below what you think where the strategy should be for overtime. You almost don't want the puck because the team say whoever wins the face off, they come in the zone, they're moving it around. It's still hard to create something three on three in the offensive zone, like a real great scoring. Chance. Oh, you're
0: hundred percent right. Ideally you want to score off the Russian over time.
1: It's, it's the same. Every time a, t- a team is snapping it around it's a hot shot that comes flying around and now it's a two on one the other way or a breakaway. And it's a goal like that. That's that's always what it is. And it's exciting that way. But I've always said that there are certain players who it doesn't suit. And this this may raise some eyebrows. I've made the point about Matthews. Here is this guy who people could argue is the best goal scorer in the National Hockey League three on three just doesn't really suit him in my eyes because he's a possession guy. Like he scores five on five and that's not to say he doesn't score on the rush. He definitely scores on the rush, but there are, there are players who are much less have a much less talent than he does, but they're just more suited for three on three overtime. And LeBord, like, I mean, you
0: nailed it because you know, the first player that came to mind who I would put in the exact same bucket. Mm. and who's arguably the greatest goal scorer of all time, or who will be the greatest goal scorer of all time, Ovechkin. Alexander Ovechkin.
1: Yeah. Overtime yeah, does true. not suit him at all. No, it doesn't. Yeah. Like, to me, overtime, like, people, it's weird. And again, guys, comment down below. I'd love to hear the opinions on this. People always point to, okay, run, they'll say run three forwards. Like, put, like, Marner, Matthews, Tavares, or Nylander, or whatever. Like, put them all in. I've wondered the opposite. Like, why not Sandine? Riley like Jordano because they can all skate good enough they can move the puck we know they can defend if they get like a breakaway or a two-on-one they're capable of scoring and I'm not saying that that's what I think it should be I'm just saying people are always like gung-ho on like the offensive talent thing and I mean to me like the pl- to have a player like Riley is like kind of like a perfect three-on-three player but you can't just you don't have multiple Riley's <laughs> you can't just keep rolling it but why not like three defensemen who can skate or even say two and a forward? Like would anyone, would you bat your eyes in overtime at like Sandine, Riley, Marner?
0: No, and, because no, they can all skate. Riley and Sandine can skate just as good as any forward.
1: Exactly. So th- they can skate, they can defend. Even Marner can defend. If they get a scoring chance, they can score. Like it's, it's interesting how teams approach it. But one thing I will say, and I'll get your um, opinion on this, Bruno, my buddy pointed out to me and I'm like, you know what? You're right. Remember, like, the first year or two of three-on-three overtime? It was, like, crazy exciting. Like, breakaway after breakaway. And it was because these players didn't know what they were doing. Like, in this situation, it was just a free-for-all. Whereas now, I think they've gotten smarter. There's more structure. There's more of a
0: game plan coming into into it from the coaches and stuff.
1: Right. They're they're not over. I think that's a big thing. People were overcommitting. And like back to the point of how the puck ringing around, and you have a two on one or breakaway goal in the other way. Like teams aren't doing that; they're being they're being careful. So it's almost like become less exciting. What do you think?
0: No, I agree, man. Because I remember the early days of three on three overtime. I even go back to. Do you remember the last World Cup of Hockey? Yeah. Team North America. Yeah. I believe yeah. they played Sweden in overtime, and to this day, I think it is the most entertaining three on three overtime I've ever seen.
1: And I believe McKinnon
0: scored the winner.
1: He was definitely McKinnon
0: for team North America. And it was just like wild. And you see those games now in the NHL from time to time, like nothing that insane, but yeah, now, man, it's all just like, let's play a conservative. I think it's even more like analytics driven as well. The way that Mm. they approach three on three overtime where, you know, kind of the opposite of what we said. I think a lot of these teams want to get possession right away, but it's like, is that really conducive to scoring? No. Because then you get possession, you're you're not coming into the zone with speed really. The other teams already set up. So yeah, it's kind of a weird time right now for three on three. But I think what it always goes back to Lapore is that you need speed in three yeah. on three overtime. Like when you look at the Leafs top two centermen, Austin Matthews and John Tavares, what's like the one knock on both of them? Yeah, their foot speed. Yeah. Like they're great players, but they're not burners. Like yeah. Nylander, I think Nylander is like perfectly built for overtime. Marner, perfectly built for overtime. Sandin and and Riley, who you mentioned, perfectly built for overtime. But there are times where when Math and again, it's not like Matthews and Tavares are bad overtime players. But if you get caught out there with three speedsters on the other side and they get an odd man rush, like the game's over. Yeah, and that's what it. Ta- that's all it takes, right? A lot of it's luck. It's who gets that first odd man rush. And if you don't score on your first odd man rush, you're probably going to lose the game.
1: One thing, one thing I've I've always thought I would tell my players if I was a coach and we we're going to 3 on 3 overtime, or I developed some sort of system where if you do have possession and you are in the offensive zone and you do create a shot, as soon as that shot is taken, everyone backtracks. Everyone backtracks because you can see it coming. Like you can see that pass go across. And the player shoots it and it's a low percentage chance, but he shoots it. Cause like, you know, in real hockey, that would be a shooting situation. But then as soon as he lets it go, you're like, they're fucked. And I'll give you an example. It was two years ago. I went to the, I guess it went three years ago. Now the, uh, the bell center to see the Leafs and Kovalchuk scored for the Habs uh, in overtime. And the Leafs had the puck in the offensive, offensive end, and they were moving it around And someone set up Barry for a one-timer or a quick shot. I don't fully recall. And I literally yelled out loud. Don't fucking shoot it because it was a low percentage chance. And it came rimming around. Here comes Montreal. Kovalchuk scores. So I would just try to get that in players' heads of when you see that shot about to get released, bang, you're already going back. Because you know, at the end of the day, if you don't get it, you're screwed. And if it costs you the loss of possession, it's not that big of a deal. If you're all, if you're all properly positioned.
0: Yeah. It's like, don't bother trying to get a rebound. It's kind of like in basketball. Right. And you see it a lot in basketball. Like guys just don't care about offensive rebounding for the most part. Like you unload a three pointer and everyone's already tracking back. Like Mm -hmm. it should be the same thing in three on three overtime. Like instead of trying to stay in the zone and maybe the puck is going to bounce off the goalie's pad right to your stick or off someone's skate and right to you in the slot like don't even take that chance as soon as your teammates taking a shot just start heading back the other way or else there's going to be an odd man rush and you're probably losing the game
1: yeah it to see like if the Leafs change things up or if they just chalk it up to bad luck because at the end of the day too right like you look back at these games like the Anaheim one for example Marner's got that Chance right in front of the net that he was robbed. It's like, man, that goes in, it changes everything. And that's easy to say, but people know the point I'm trying to make. So I'm sure if we look at all their losses, they did have chances in overtime that just didn't go in. But man, there <laughs> we're a quarter of the way through the season. We can't go like four and like 20 like, in, in an OT. Like, it's costing at this point, you can look at it and it's not costing us that many points. But let's say, okay, we're one in five in OT. Let's say your expectation is five hundred. That's three on. That's a three and three. So it's cost us two points. So eh, not the end of the world. Well, if, if by the end of the season it's cost you eight points, then that's you not problems. Yeah, you got big problems. And it's not like we can look at the shootout. At least haven't been in a shootout yet this year. We can look at the shootout and say, okay, well we're five and two in the shootout when well, we haven't gone to the shootout. So
0: especially with I, how well Boston is playing, like the Leafs' goal heading into the season, besides winning the cup and laugh all you want you know it's, it was to win the division. Right. So if it's going to come down to Boston and Toronto and they're separated by five or six points at the end of the season and the Leafs finish in second because they lost Overtimes. eight or nine overtime games, like that's going to be a problem. That sucks. Yeah, so that it's, sucks. it's got to. you would hope it swings back the other way and it kind of just normalizes at some point and the Leafs don't have their worst three-on-three overtime season in like franchise history. Yeah. But who the hell knows? Yeah. All right, Lapore, we gotta get into our next topic here, and this one,
1: <laughs> I often make the comment when you're smiling as you're saying it I'm looking forward to it. You're already smiling this
0: is this is gonna be a great topic. I promise. let's go. Let's go. If you're listening or watching right now. This is gonna be great. Lapore, We are pretty much at the quarter mark of the season right now. Not every team has played the exact same amount of games, but you know, we're about twenty games into the season. 82 games on the schedule. You guys can all do the math. Right now, Lapore, who would you say is the best Canadian team in the NHL? I'll let you go first on this one.
1: When you say best, you mean like best chance to win the cup?
0: Yeah, let's go with that. Like best team. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily have to be the best team right now because if you go look at the NHL standings, okay? I'll go look at the standings right now. I will sort by points percentage right now. The Leafs have the best points percentage of any Canadian team. Next is Winnipeg. Yeah. And they are both inside the top 10 in the league in points percentage. From there, we have Calgary. Montreal is actually ahead of Edmonton right now in points percentage.
1: Ooh, go on it.
0: And Ottawa bringing up the rear. So, Not necessarily like who's the best team right now, but who's the team you would bet on, I guess, long-term throughout the season to make a run in the playoffs?
1: I will say, well, I'll tell you where my head's at. Like I'm debating between the Leafs and the Flames. Because like the Flames, I mean, you look at the record, it's not fantastic, but they were having having goalie issues early in the season. Everything was going in against them. Tight one between those two. Um, but I will say, your hometown Toronto Maple Leafs have yes. the best chance in Canada to win the Stanley Cup. I just, yeah, I'll, I'll go that way. I think the Leafs are gonna add, and who knows, Calgary can add. But I mean, here I just said I was debating in my head, so I'm not gonna argue with someone if they think Calgary is uh is has the best uh, chance to win the Stanley Cup among the Canadian teams. I mean, I guess I'll say it really like, Winnipeg's had a good start. Outside those two teams. Who like I mean you couldn't you can't really go outside those two teams. It's it's a hot take if you say other than Calgary and Toronto. Like I would say,
0: yeah, I, I agree because at this point, I mean the Senators, their season is basically over. The Canucks, their season is over. Montreal has been the most surprising, yeah. I would say, of all the Canadian teams. You know they're sitting around five hundred right now. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but they're making strides in their rebuild. And maybe they're going to have a little bit of a lower pick in the first round than we all thought based on the way they're playing. So, you know, good for them or bad for them if you want them to, you know, draft Connor Bedard. Edmonton has been bad. Like, they are just way below expectations right now. So you're right, man. It's really between the Leafs, Winnipeg, and Calgary in my mind. And I will agree with you, Lapore. The Toronto <laughs> Maple Leafs, not only do I think they are the best team in Canada right now, I think that they have the best chance to make a run in the Stanley cup playoffs.
1: This is a Toronto Maple Leafs podcast. Everybody (laughs) remember that.
0: So call us homers all you want, but I went over the numbers earlier. The Leafs have been so good defensively this season. Once the puck starts going in, this team's going to be an absolute wagon. And the one concern that everyone had coming into the season was the goaltending. Matt Murray, Elias Samsonov, what a disaster. How could Dubis stake his career on these two goalies? Matt Murray, who's injured all the time, and Elias Samsonov, first-round pick by the Capitals, can't even get the number one job in Washington. The Leafs right now, I mentioned this earlier on the show, they sit fifth in the league in five-on-five five save percentage. Their goaltending has been excellent this season. This team just has to start putting the damn puck in the net And they are going to be easily the best team in Canada, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. I hate to say, like, oh, the Leafs aren't getting any credit because I never expect the Leafs to get any credit for anything. Because that's just how the fan base is and how the media is. But you think what this team's dealt with. Like, their pace has to be what? Like, pushing 105 points? We had our fourth string goalie playing games. People forget that the top HL guy would be Joseph Wall, and he's hurt. Here we are, like, sh- people are shitting on Shogren. Like, he has no business playing in the NHL. Murray gets hurt. Samsov gets hurt. We're scrambling. All the injuries on D. The fact that they have the record they have, what is, like, 11-5-5? Mm-hmm. Pretty, it's pretty impressive, man. Like, I think credit has to be given. And Sheldon Keith, man. Like, look what he's pulled off with uh, the with situations. So or credit has to be given to him, too.
0: One team I will give major props to, and this is a team that we both... Did not have high expectations for this season. The Winnipeg Jets.
1: Oh, bravo, Winnipeg. 100%.
0: Rick Bonus, you have completely proven us wrong. Because we uh... thought that this year in Winnipeg had the potential to be an absolute shit show. You know, yeah. they take the captaincy away from Wheeler. We're not sure if, you know, Dubois, it seemed like he wanted to go play for the Habs. Like, he didn't want to be there. We didn't know what the future held for Mark Shifley. You know, even Blake Wheeler for that matter, like, would he want out now because they took the captaincy away? And this team right now, man, they're pretty darn good right now in goals against. They're fifth in the NHL. So they're one of the best defensive teams in the league. They're penalty killed top five. They're kind of having the same issues as the Leafs. The puck's not going in for them either, despite their record, like Kyle Connor, who scored 47 goals last year. Like, he's been snake bit this year.
1: Yeah, he's been quiet. One of those, like, you hear his name, you're like, oh, yeah, I've only heard much of his name.
0: It's been a weird year. Like, Matthews isn't having his typical goal scoring season. Kyle Connor, six goals in 18 games. Wow. Like, this guy has scored at essentially a 40 goal pace now for three straight seasons because he scored 38 and 71 uh, in the first COVID season. The shortened season, he had 26 and 56. And then last year forty seven and seventy nine mm. so, and for him to have six goals this season, like it's just wild. so you know what this jets team i think I think they're probably gonna be a playoff team now, do I think they're better than Calgary? like I still really like calgary yeah, me too i I just I like them as a a complete all around team, but they've just been struggling a little bit i I still think those are the three best teams in Canada at this point,
1: yeah, uh bonus is gonna be the new Daryl sutter the hiring that we shot on like oh, crazy God. and became very successful, but good for bonus. Good for the jets. Everyone roots for the jets, right? Why not? They're all the way in the West. Who cares? Canadian team. Why hate them? But uh, yeah, I mean, you look around the Canadian teams. I don't know. Let's look at it. Let's, let's, let's break this down, Bruno. Like of the, of the Canadian teams, right? Expectations, like absolute expectations going into the season who are the teams that you'd give a high five to and who are the teams who you'd give like a thumbs down to in terms of where they thought or where they hope to be and where they are now.
0: So there's only two teams I'm giving a high five to, and that's Toronto and Winnipeg for all Toronto, for all the reasons I mentioned. And you know, Lepore listen, Toronto is a little bit below where we expected them to be at this point, even though Mm. right now, again, based on points percentage, the Leafs are sixth in the NHL based on all the injuries they've had on the blue line and to their goaltending for them to have the sixth best record in the league right now. That's impressive. So high five to the Leafs high five to Winnipeg who are surpassing expectations. The uh, Calgary flames. I'm not going to give them a high five or a thumbs down. I'm just going to be, you know, I'm just going to pass them in the, Going you know, to pass them on the street and kind of, you know, give them a little nod. Hey there, Calgary Flames, good to see you. But I'm not going to give them anything more than that. Now, I should mention this, Laporte. How about we give another high five to the Montreal Canadiens?
1: 100%. High you got to give a high five to done. the Habs.
0: Caulfield and Suzuki are buzzing. You got to give a high five to them. Other than that, Ottawa, you've been trash. The Canucks, you've been terrible. Who's and more the disappointing? The Edmonton Oilers, man. That is a big thumbs down for me.
1: Okay, so Edmonton, Ottawa, Vancouver. Who's been the most disappointing in your eyes?
0: <sighs> That's tough. That's really tough for me. They're, they've all been so disappointing. I'm going to say the Senators have been the most disappointing. Yeah, probably. I did call them the most overrated team in the league, and I'll continue gloating about that. I, I yeah, said that before I ex- the season.
1: I, I expect you to.
0: <laughs> I'm going to keep gloating about that, but... They 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 should be better than this Laporte. I mean, for the love of God, man! Yeah, right now they have bad. the second worst record in the NHL. Yeah. That's just unacceptable.
1: Yeah, they're but, going to the rink expecting to lose. Now like, it's embarrassing. Y- like yeah,
0: Laporte, lem- remember the the comment that Mark Mathot made where he Here said, and I know he was yeah. sort of trolling and trying to rally Leafs fans when yeah. he said in two to three years the Senators were going to be better than the Leafs.
1: But that he threw in, and it's not going to be close. And it's not even close.
0: (laughs) This team, Lepore, can't even sniff a playoff spot, let alone be better than the Leafs. This is embarrassing how this team has performed so far this season. Adding Giroux, adding Debrinket, Jake Sanderson on the blue line, one of their high draft picks. Like, this team sucks. It's it's, it's unfortunate, man.
1: I I do think they'll... (laughs) I hate to be like that guy, but I do think they'll turn it around. I do. And, like, not in the way, oh, I think they're going to go on a run and make the playoffs or do damage, but I just don't think they're this bad. I think right now they're in a lull. Like, like I said, I think they're going to the rink expecting to lose, and that's the worst thing you can possibly have. I said last on last show that we're going to find out how mentally strong this Senators team is. Right now they don't look very mentally strong, and they have had injuries, man. Like, Zub's been out. Shabbat's been out. And we all knew their D didn't have a lot of depth. So when you lose guys like that, like you're fucked, like, well, let's call it how it is. So I don't know. The the Sens are a tough one where to go. What I think is getting weird and Sens fans comment down below. The big thing on Twitter is DJ Smith needs to get fired. Okay. Should he be fired? Why hasn't he been fired yet? Their captain Kachuk came out and said, you know, what's all this talk about? DJ, we're a group here, this and that. It's getting to the point now, and I think this might have to do with the ownership situ- situation being in limbo. It's getting kind of stupid that he hasn't been fired yet. Like, even based on, oh, do you think he's a good coach or whatever? They're losing games. You got to do something. And I said to my buddy, like, no one's brought up a trade. Like, if they make a significant trade, even, like, one guy out. But who are they really going to trade? I don't know. It's it's a tough one. So I I think I think they got to get DJ out of there. I I it's, it's I don't think it's a hot take. I mean, well, I know it's not a hot take. A lot of people are screaming for it in Sens land, but it's getting to the point now where you really have to do something. And like, this is getting embarrassing. Like they, they, am, am I, they had their four game win streak. I don't think they've won back-to-back games since. I might be wrong about that, maybe once, but like they've been bad, bad. You can't lose this many games in a row and lose the way they're losing where it's like they're comfortable losses. Like, check your phone in the morning with San Jose, beat them
0: 5-1. Laporte, they've lost 11 of their last 13 games. There you they go. have not won back-to-back games since October 22nd and 24th.
1: And was that was that when they won four in a row? That's when they won four in a row. They beat that's Boston,
0: they Washington, Arizona, and Dallas.
1: Yeah, And I, it was mean, like, I know come. Arizona's
0: in there, but damn, that's a pretty good four-game winning streak.
1: Well, that was for a long time. That was Boston's only loss, like when Boston was 11-1, <laughs> but... I don't know, man. They, they got to do something funny how it works, right? Like how you go into a season having certain thoughts and Montreal, like like Montreal people thought was, was going to be historically bad, but, and you know, they're fine. They're over 500 now. It goes to show you expectations, expectations are everything. I mean, Habs fans, I mean, good for you. Awesome. Like they're playing well. You guys have a right to be excited about your kids. But what I say is okay, well, they're going to the rink. Like there's no expectation. Like they're loose. No one gives a shit if the, if the Habs lose. And right now it's a good thing where it becomes a little different. is in a season or two where they make a few additions, they cut some fat and there's expectations. And that's where the sends are now. So a couple losses and you can start reeling. It's tough, man. And we saw with Vancouver too, speaking of these Canadian teams, man, like they were terrible. They had that terrible streak. Things have gotten a little bit better for them, but man,
0: they're, they're so far behind the eight ball, both, Vancouver and Ottawa right now and both of them had expectations to make the playoffs this season it's not like people thought that they were going to win the Stanley Cup you know those two teams but at least try to get into the playoffs be on the bubble yeah come the end of March but both teams at this point like they're gonna have to just go on crazy tears
1: I think the word sniff the playoffs I, I think the word is competitiveness what Sens fans were hoping for this first year with Drew and to Sanderson's rookie season, as you mentioned, let's be competitive. Let's be in the 80 something points, 500, maybe fight for a playoff spot. Sens fans would have been happy with that. The way the last five seasons have gone. Except if I'm not mistaken, since that conference final loss in 2017, I think they're the worst team in the league. It's them or Detroit or they're tied or something like they're, they're among, or they are the worst team in the league. So for Sens fans coming into the season, like, man, like, let's be competitive. It'll be awesome. And then she gets slapped the way they've been slapped with this. And like you said, it, the season's over. The pace are going to have to put up the rest of the way to make the playoffs. even fight for a playoff spot. We'll have to be absolutely insane. So this, the season's over. Yeah, That's done. That sucks, man. 60 games to go.
0: And you already know you're done. It's, yeah, and it's the, unfortunate.
1: And are you to the point now where you're, I mean, Leafs fans have been through this. You're cheering for them to lose because you want a better shot at Bedard.
0: It's going to get to that point very quickly within the next 10 to 15 games. Yeah. If they're still in the same spot, their fans are going to be going to the rink every night hoping for Connor Bedard. Yeah. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Reports Another team we got to talk about is Edmonton. Yeah. Because they've been brutal and and listen, their fans throughout the whole off season even at the start of the season talking about this team like it was a Stanley Cup contender. They got to the conference finals last year. And I'll remind you, got swept out of the building by the Colorado (laughs) Avalanche. With emphasis,
1: a swept. They got their (laughs) asses kicked by the Colorado Avalanche.
0: Everyone's thinking, "Oh, this is this team's going to make a run this year." There's a reason that heading into the year, the books had this team at like twenty-two to one to win the Stanley Cup. They bring in Jack Campbell, Laporte. Jack Campbell's been a train wreck. He has been one of the worst goalies in the NHL. He's six and five. Record not bad. But a four fifteen goals against average, an eight seventy six save percentage, and minus seven point six goals saved above expected.
1: I know at one point that was the worst. His goal saved above expected was the, among like sixty goalies was like the worst in the league.
0: He he's been an absolute disaster again. McDavid and Dry settle doing what they do, leading the league in scoring. Evander Kane is now out long term, and that's a yeah. huge issue for this team because I think. He was a huge signing last year. Like, I said it. I think we both said it. When they brought in Kane, like, I thought that was arguably the best move that any team had made. Huge
1: move. Like, it was massive
0: because he helped their secondary scoring so, so much. Able to play with McDavid. Able to play with Dreisaitl. Can play on the power play. He's physical. So, to not have him now. Their goaltending. I mean, Stuart Skinner's been, he's been actually pretty solid. But Campbell's been a mess. Defensively, they've been a mess. They're 10-10 and right now, Laporte. Over their last 10 games, they've lost seven of those 10 with a minus 15 goal differential. Whoa. And they get outplayed. You know, another thing I checked, Lepore, to get all nerdy for a second. Of the 20 games they've played this season, the five-on-five expected goals battle, they've lost that 13 out of 20 times this season. Wow. They're getting outplayed at five-on-five on almost a nightly basis. So for a team that... A lot of people thought, not just Oilers fans, but media members, people around hockey, thought this team was legit. They're they're ten and ten right now through twenty games. It's
1: tough. It's tough. It's not. It's not good for Edmonton. Thing is, with Edmonton, I don't know what you do because they're, they're in the that problem. W- they like they, they're in that weird middle spot where it's it's like Ottawa, where it's okay. The season appears to be over. They can make a move. They can they can fire a coach. Edmonton. Oh, like it's kind of in limbo and what move would you really make to move the needle and the cane injury sucks like that, that really and truly sucks. But hate to say, I told you so, but I told you so, man, like Campbell being brutal is a big part of it. It's like, when you have that kind of goaltending, like we saw it last year with New Jersey and it's flipped around this year, how New Jersey had like historically bad goaltending. Well, it doesn't matter how good you are. It's impossible to win. It's impossible. If, if more, it's, two plus of every 20 shots is going in you're going to lose and the analytics guys it's funny how so they're right like i am finding some people are admitting the analytics guys were right going into the season cuz a lot of a lot of them pointed to new jersey and said if they can get the goaltending they'll be really good and here here we are top of the league and with edmonton in a situation with campbell nothing else matters if you can't make a save, like five on five play, whether you have a great power play, whatever puck possession, if a team only needs a couple scoring chances to get one, you are going to lose. And I don't know, man. Like,
0: I, he just signed. He just signed. He's got four more years at five million per.
1: And because of his age too, like that buyout. a and he's would in be his thirties. Would be a brutal buyout. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what's gonna happen there. And and even Jack, we know we can say this is Leafs fans because we went through it. He's an emotional guy. He cares. That's where, like, I'm worried for him, and I'm worried. This could
0: spiral completely out of control.
1: Yeah, and I'm worried for the situation. But, I mean, Edmonton can't trade him. (laughs) You you, you have to retain or just put you in a bad spot. You can't buy him out because of the term and how it would kill you on the cap. You're stuck with them, man. So
0: yeah, it's it's really rough because Oilers fans went through all those years with Mike Smith. I remember after every Oilers game on Twitter, everyone saying Mike Smith is the worst goalie of all time. What the hell are we doing here? Ken Holland get us a goalie. Yeah. Then they appear to go out and get a number one goalie, who's now one of the worst goalies this year statistically in the NHL. And also yeah. Laporte, I don't want to completely dump on Campbell. If you look at goals against per game, Edmonton is sitting 29th in the league allowing 3.6 goals per game. The only team's worse, the Canucks, Ducks, and Blue Jackets.
1: That's overall, not just five on five.
0: Overall, just pure goals per game. Edmonton 29th in the NHL. Goals against per game.
1: It's horrible. It's horrible. It's not too often. It's not too often Leafs fans can kind of gloat about making a right decision. Even a lot of like Sens fans, my buddies, people live here, Habs fans. I've come to me like, man, you guys were right about Campbell. Like, good job letting him go. I'm like, yeah, we did something right. Isn't that awesome? Apparently Dubas is not a complete idiot.
0: And here's the thing about Campbell. It's like, it's not that the Leafs didn't want him or that we thought he was a terrible goalie. It's that the Leafs never wanted to give him that term. No. Like, five million's a little steep, but to give him five years. So that's why Dubas said, if I have Jack Campbell... Ilya Samsonov and Matt Murray, who are who the three of them are all more or less in the same talent tier. Why the hell am I going to give one of those three guys a five-year, $5 million deal when I can get two of those guys for, you know, the exact same price, essentially, and then hope that one of them turns out good playing behind, you know, one of the better defensive teams in the NHL. And Dubas yeah. made the right bet. And for everyone who was bashing him and making fun of him and calling him an idiot, well, guess what? You're the idiot now. Congratulations. Yeah,
1: so 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 far, so good. Like, like, I'll admit it. I'll admit, like, I was nervous looking at a season that had Murray and Samsonov. I was nervous. But Dubas was right. Like, so far, so good anyway. Like, through these the first quarter of a season, no one can argue with letting Campbell go and bringing in Murray and Samsonov for what he did. So, I mean, Murray, he's already been hurt and all that. So maybe we won't, we won't give that one a full slam dunk. But he made the right choice. Like yes. we, we we moved on and we made the right choice.
0: And I don't even think it's, it's like the talent of the goaltenders. Like obviously like Murray and Samson have been, have been playing well, but I think the the bet that Dubis made honestly was that no matter which goalie he brought in all those goalies from, like I said, the same talent tier, they were all going to perform. He thought they would perform well playing behind this Leafs team. That's been one of the best defensive teams in the league this mm. year, flat out. And I think yeah. that's what he was betting on, and that's what we're seeing right now. It's not like they're Igor Shosturkin or Andre Vasilevsky, but they're putting up solid, respectable numbers right now. So bravo!
1: Funny how you can compare talks where, like last year, how many, how much, how many hours were dedicated to how bad the Leafs goaltending has been, and even like previously, like how bad the Leafs defense has been, and now it's flipped where we are getting goaltending. Seem to have a pretty stable d but we can't score a fucking goal
0: yeah it's just it's crazy man
1: yeah but hockey wild hockey makes no sense that's why we were talking about it for an hour a week
0: is there anything else you want to get off your chest lapore before we wrap up this podcast
1: i'm just hoping the leafs can keep this going i mean next game is in minnesota good team we showed a lot of heart and character, like I said, in, the, in the, the last game. So let's keep it rolling. And speaking of Minnesota, speaking of Minnesota, their reverse retro, that is a thing of absolute beauty. Preach, Lapore, preach. Beautiful. I always say that teams are so afraid to do something different. Like you look back at the, the 80s and 90s, like, they had green pants or teams had like, they, they actually use their color and their gloves and pants and helmets. Whereas now there's so much like black and Navy, those green uh, uh Minnesota wild jerseys are fantastic. And they're so distinctive, the green helmet, the green gloves, the green pants, they even the nice little touch of putting the stars on the pants. Like the North stars used to have so good, man. I, I hope they wear them against the Leafs. Because, man, A-plus all the way.
0: I love it. I remember when the reverse retros first came out. I think I ranked the uh, the Avalanche reverse retros as number one. And I had the Wild at number two. But the more I see that Wild jersey, I'm with you, man. I think that's number one. Like, just so, so good. Oh, so good.
1: Yeah. Like, and then not, like
0: don't play it safe.
1: Be no. bold.
0: Especially with your reverse retros band. They did a fantastic job.
1: The way I rank the reverse retro jerseys is this way, or how I like s- how I saw them all. I asked myself, if I was a fan of that team, would I buy that jersey? And I, I find with a lot of teams, it's like I-, I know it's it's tough with like color schemes and this and that, but if you can do something different that's way different than anything I own, I'm gonna buy it. Like if you're a wild fan, that's a no brainer. Yeah. Like, absolute no-brainer. When the Kings last year had, like, the purple one with the new logo. Oh, unreal. You know, oh, if you're a Kings fan, you're buying it. Even Montreal this year, to give it credit, like, the whole Expos tie. Yeah, yeah I'm going to buy fantastic it. Fantastic we yeah, That was that one of my color.
0: favorites as well.
1: And I, I will say, I will say again, because it's different, everyone shot on Chicago and Detroit for, like, the barber pole, kind of like, what is it, just Detroit on it and Chicago. Again, like, initial optics aren't amazing, but the Red wings always have the wheel with the wing, it's different, so I think I would buy it because it can add to the collection and rock it. And it's not like anything else they've previously worn, so I didn't hate them. But yeah, I mean, to be honest, not too often, like I'm I give a lot of credit to the NHL and like their marketing schemes and this and that. But the reverse retros, I've thought this year especially, have been very good.
0: If there is one person that I respect <laughs> and I will listen to when it comes to jersey talk. Yeah. It is Michael Lapore who owns uh, like 3,000 hockey jerseys.
1: Thanks, so. Bruno. So, but one thing I will say, in Sens fans, comment down below. So in all the rankings, the Sens were near the bottom. They did that black thing with that stripe from like the 2000s. And I, I know there's some NHL dress code rules with things you're allowed to do in terms of especially patterns and designs. But again, if I was a fan of that team, would I buy it? The early Senators teams, and you know when I mean the early Senators teams, I'm talking like the early 1900s. They wore a barber pole, black, red, and white, like the '67s. Why didn't they do something like that? Like that with the new, new, new logo would have been amazing. And again, because, every fan, every fan would buy it
0: because teams are stupid. Lepore. Yeah, I guess
1: that's it. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that's just that's just what it is.
1: Yeah, I guess. Yeah, but that's what the show is about, right? Teams and their stupidity.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Lapore. we got we to gotta branch off and make a new pod, just a, a Lapore solo podcast on jerseys. I'm down, man. That's going to be I'm our down. next venture. I love it. The GFP podcast.
1: I love it. All right,
0: everybody. That is going to do it for episode 81 of the Gluns for Punishment podcast or GFP, a Toronto Maple Leafs and NHL podcast hosted by Michael Lepore and Anthony Bruno. If you're a new listener and you really enjoyed the show, it would be a big time help if you give us a five-star rating and review on both Apple and Spotify, and if you're watching us on YouTube, we would appreciate it so, so much if you smash the like button, subscribe to the channel, comment down below, and ring the notification bell so you know exactly when the GFP podcast is dropping some new content. So for Michael Lapore, I'm Anthony Bruno, and we will see you in the next one.
1: Thanks, everyone.